The following program contains scenes and language of a frank and explicit nature. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to Film Jitsu, the podcast that wields films like deadly weapons. We are your hosts. I am Mike. And I am Jay. On this week's episode of Film Jitsu, Jason is going to tell us all about how he loves Edward Furlong, his favorite actor. <sighs> oh, you just... In the no. 1994 film, <laughs> Brain Scan. We're also going to talk about our bottom five games. We'll give you some staff picks. And then Jason will let me know what I have to watch next week. As revenge for brain scan. <laughs> but before we do that, let's go ahead and roll the trailer. Now that I have your attention, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Trickster. What was that film you were watching? Death, death, death. Death, death, death. Part two. Oh, Lord. Michael's seen it. Go for it, man. Done it. Played it. Look, I've played them all. And just when he thought he'd die of boredom. Brain scan. The ultimate experience in interactive terror. Never leave home without it. <laughs> You're in the game, man. You're in control. You must think like a killer. Cover up any clues. Leave no witnesses, no evidence. A challenge he can't resist. It was so real. It was sick. See, I told you, man. I told you it would blow your mind. A game he can't escape. There was a grisly murder in the quiet suburban town of Mountview today. So you did it. What was on that disc? It's not a game anymore. Hamilton and Hayden. It's real. It wasn't supposed to be real! Real, unreal, what's the difference? I didn't kill the man. I didn't even know him. You're in this now. You won't survive on your own. Ah! You started this, and now you're afraid to finish it just like you're afraid of everything else. I won't kill her! Play it. The witness has to die. Edward Furlong, Frank Langella, and introducing T. Ryder Smith as the trickster. Brain scan. I can't wait to see what you do next. So, Jay, I gave you Brain Scan because I know how much you hate Eddie Furlong, going all the way back, of course, to our long-running Terminator 2 feud. We will not get into that. Moratorium on that. (laughs) But this was my opportunity to say, how can I get Santo to spend some quality time with Edward Furlong? And cinema offers us no better opportunity than 1994's Brain Brain Scan. Scan. This thing was a slog, Mike. This thing was absolutely awful. I don't think there is anyone that would call themselves an Eddie Furlong fan. He was replaced in Terminator 3. He had the deal. They were going to bring him back for Terminator 3, a movie you loathe. Rightfully and he, so. He and he was replaced by Nick Stahl. Can you imagine? If you can be replaced in a film by a guy who we will one day just misplace. <laughs> just, just lost him somewhere. Like I we, think he turned we up on Amazon Prime. He's somewhere on Tubi yeah. now. In some shot yeah, on video a, mess in New Jersey. If you're second fiddle to that guy, you might be Eddie Furlong. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Well, th- this movie, I think the thing to kind of walk away from this movie with is just how much of a non-actor this kid really was at this point in his career. And it's kind of interesting because he did have a rather, I wouldn't say it wasn't a prolific career early on, but he had enough of a career working with real directors and real stories. And he was in a John Waters flick. He was in that American History X movie, which caused all that controversy. And... You know, he just, he worked, he he seemed to be making some good decisions, but Brain Scan clearly was not one of them. This movie is probably as inept as it gets, which is kind of interesting because it was written by the writer of Seven. His name's Andrew Kevin Walker. I didn't know that. And it was directed by, a, you know, this guy's a workman-like director named John Flynn, did Sylvester Stallone's Lockout, and also your beloved... Steven Seagal's Out for Justice. So, you know, it's it's there's some some sort of B-movie pedigree, I guess, to this, or vaguely yeah. A-list pedigree. But this thing is, is trite from start to finish. Not much of it makes sense. Furlong is by far the weakest link that you have here. And 90% of the movie really sits on his shoulders. I really felt as though the filmmakers were, were writing this movie as they pushed forward with it, trying to work with whatever Furlong was giving them, which was basically nothing but running his hands through his hair and saying, shit, 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 shit. I think he birthed Kristen Stewart's acting style because everything is pauses and huffs and awkward sighs and and hand through the hair and shit under your breath and just Kristen Stewart at least found her way out of it to become she did. one of our most accomplished decorated she's a draw for she's me now very very good she's very she good. found her way out Eddie Furlong maybe not so much you know, this kid was found at like a YMCA or something like that by Molly Finn when she was casting Terminator 2. And it's like, how good could he have been? <laughs> it's impossible to think that somebody could just get plucked off the street and be like uh, magic on screen. Of course, that happens sometimes, but it's with really effective, solid direction. And in this case, Flynn, who I think was lazy, you know, he's just kind of a lazy, weird director. He said about Furlong, there's a quote, and he said, Eddie Furlong was a 15-year-old kid who couldn't act. You had to slap him awake every morning. I don't want to get into knocking people, but I was not a big Eddie Furlong fan. Yeah, but but John Flynn was the adult in the room, right? Correct. Eddie Furlong's a 15-year-old kid. Exactly right. He was the one that needed to make this work, and he didn't. You know, And I think that quote is very telling. So I feel like maybe... They shot 60% of the movie with Furlong, shot it straight as this, you know, virtual reality video game story. I love that this brain scan game is a CD-ROM and he's got the disc and everything. It's an interesting idea. I would love to know what the original screenplay looked like. Again, we're talking about the person that wrote Seven. So I can't imagine that this Andrew Kevin Walker wrote this as it showed up on screen. I feel Mm -hmm. as though... There were better thoughts probably in this film and they were betrayed by the production, by the fact that they hung an entire movie on a non-actor. So much so that I think they introduced Trickster 
I don't think he was in the original draft of the script. He doesn't seem to belong to the narrative at all. <laughs> he just sort of pops up. How did you get in here? You invited me in. That's how it always works. Michael. Don't you have anything good? To have a villain like the trickster, I guess I never realized, but I think you're right. How shoehorned in that character is... It almost seemed to me like what they realized is, hey, maybe we have something here and we want to have an iconic villain that we could potentially hang a sequel on. We we want our Michael Myers, our Jason Voorhees. And so they give us the trickster who is essentially the Joker, right? He's one of those like, come and see me. Ah! You know, he's, he's that Mark Hamill Joker. We're going to commit crimes. It's so over the top he's almost like an evil drop dead fred <laughs> where he shows up <laughs> and causes all this mayhem but the end result is murder i think that's written into the screenplay only so that furlong had someone to share scenes with mm -hmm. the only scene that actually was of any real decency was the interrogation sequence with Langella, which is Frank Langella plays that lead detective character. He has absolutely nothing to do except have the camera slowly dolly toward yeah. him while he looks stern. How do you waste Frank Langella in a movie? How? I had to ask you about this. Do you think that part of it was they had to insulate Furlong from Langella because they are so far apart in terms of acting? I, I can't imagine those two guys holding a scene together without Furlong just getting bulldozed. Furlong is better against other good actors. You think of Edward Norton in American History X. I'd like, I've seen the kid act. I know he can act. Put him against Schwarzenegger and he turns in a turd sandwich. <laughs> but if you put him against somebody that can really act, he'll rise to the occasion. I think if you spent more time with Langella and you let Langella coach the performance, it would have been good. In this case, so many scenes are just along alone, sweating profusely. <laughs> this movie He's is really so, sweaty in this movie. It's so repetitive. Everything in this movie is so repetitive. The girl coming to the house yelling, Michael. Langella's long stares into the middle distance, you know, like there's this, I, it's almost like a goddamn subplot is this part where he's, where he keeps hiding in like an inch of underbrush. Like there's people coming after the murderer and Eddie Furlong just hits the ground and he's and there's like a tiny shrub that's hiding him from like, you. Like, like Homer retreating into the shrubbery? <laughs> no, that would provide actual coverage. <laughs> Igor, dial 1-800-555-BEER. Yes. Hello, you've reached brain scan. Uh, my name is Michael Brower. You can reach me at 717. Hello, Michael. Sorry. Thought you were a machine. How can I assist you? I read your ad in Fango, and I just wanted to find out what's the big deal. It's the most frightening experience you'll ever have the displeasure of coming into contact with. Sure it is. Look, I've played them all. <laughs> this kid's mix-up is out of control. It's a sweet <laughs> setup. It is unbelievable. I mean, he has like the world's first version of Alexa, this thing called the Igor that like answers his phone for him and stuff and dials Super out to the Super cool. It's, <laughs> Igor is so cool. And he, he does. He has this really great setup and everything. But he's just this moody shithead kid. And he's sleazy as fuck. 
Like he's a real yeah. He's a real he's, lech. He's video. He's gawking at the girl next door. He's right? videotaping her. He grabs a camcorder oh, and he's yeah. zooming in on her across the. Hall. And I'll tell you the the weird thing about that sequence isn't even that you have to buy his character Michael doing this, right? Because you look at him and you just think, this kid's a sleaze anyway. Just see it, yeah. it drips off of him. Yeah, There's something right. about that oily hair always hanging in his face. and But he's he picks up the video camera, he's looking at the girl, and it's all way too seductive. Because the girl, I guess, knows that, she, that he's watching her. But no girl that's... 15 16 years old is is going to be seductive through a window while a kid to the creepy kid next door to the creepy kid next door with a camcorder right she i just i found it i felt like john flynn was the real perv here and not necessarily eddie furlong i mean eddie looks like he would be the guy that's walking through the middle school dance with mirrors under his shoes. The, yeah. It's just a <laughs> yeah, weird... Yeah, the male gaze The male gaze is alive and well in this film, for sure. It was a gaze sure. times about a million. Yeah, and it right. is really, really unsettling because she actually does doff her top. And the actress, Amy Hargraves, looks like she's a teenager in this. She's 21 years old at the time of the filming, but... She's playing a high school kid. For all intents and purposes, this is weird territory that you don't want to get into. Listen carefully. For the next two hours, you're going to experience mind program entry. That's a powerful force, not unlike hypnosis, transmitted through the television's blanking signal. It's going to alter your reality. Who the hell are you? Take this seriously, Michael. You'll be watching a brutal murder through the eyes of a killer, and you'll affect his actions. It won't be pretty. No kidding. There is one limitation. You must stalk and kill within the time limit of the program. Like a video game, right? Video games are ancient history. This is the first disc in a series of four. If time runs out, you'll not be allowed to play the next disc. That could be extremely dangerous. Do not let that happen. The plot of the movie, I guess, if the trailer didn't do enough, is Edward Furlong gets this video game. It's a virtual reality game. He goes into the game. He commits murder in the game from a first-person Doom perspective, I think. And then the crimes happen in real life. And so... The thing that I expected was like... Out of all the people in town to kill, he kills some random middle-aged dude with a with a weird like snake tattoo on his foot. Like that's the that's the guy he goes after. There's no rationale for any of that. A kid who is clearly an outcast in his school, you would expect him to go after the kid who's been making him miserable. And that's not what the movie nope. chooses to do. It's nonsensical. And not only that, why does he saw the foot off? And then why is the foot in his fridge? And of course, just so you know, it's that guy's foot. It can't just be a foot in a fridge. No, it's the foot with the tattoo. (laughs) Yeah, the tattoo foot. Give me a fucking break. It's so clunky. I mean, this is a movie with lines like, erections don't rape people, people rape people. That would be the principal at his school who Mm. would have been the smartest to kill first. (laughs) You want to talk about a bully? This guy, the guy that decided that horror movies equals marijuana equals rape. Oh. Like, this was the way that the principal talked about things. Later on, the principal does get crushed by randomly falling bricks at a construction site. Oh. So there's that. But nothing... <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you sense, like, a thread here of nothing making sense? It's a series of disconnected, really random events that have the worst possible fucking payoff that you can give in a movie. Which is the whole thing. The whole thing 
was, was the dream. first video yeah, game it was, play. It was the yeah, whole the, the thing. First, it was all in your mind. Was the yeah. game? Yeah, it was right. all in his mind. So it's 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 Patrick Duffy in the shower from Dallas. Like it's yeah. at the very start of the movie. There's the scene with the dog running, and he has something in his mouth, and you can't quite see what it is. You don't. I don't think you can tell it's a foot. And at the end, they play that sequence again. And it's sort of supposed to mean that it all actually really did happen, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's like that, oh, we pulled a fast one on you. Oh, we're pulling another fast one on you or at the very end. Or did we? Yeah, a exactly. A dream and a dream and a dream. The, so help uh, me understand something. I think no. you've really done a good job of explaining why you didn't like this movie. Sure. Why, in 1994, did I fucking love this movie? Because you were a kid. I mean, you were that age. <laughs> That's why you liked it. I mean, it had, there's something very genuinely adolescent about everything that happens in this. The whole thing that, is juvenile, yeah, isn't it's it? Very, it's this, yeah. I think there's, there's this unattainable girl and this loser kid who maybe I could relate to that in 94 yeah. somehow <laughs> well, draws the affection of the girl next door. I don't. I don't he's got think all so. this cool, the cool yes. room and the cool, the cool music. Room. Yeah. He's got all that. I think it's I the think game. There's... I think it's Trickster. I think that for me, what Trickster represented more than anything was Freddy Krueger. It was that mm-hmm. wisecracking anti-hero that they were trying to sell and trying to attract people with. And I think that it's it doesn't really work. It's an interesting character in that he has nothing to do with the narrative, truthfully. He's kind of a Rumpelstiltskin character, right? He shows up. He causes a little mayhem. He leaves. And yeah. it felt to me like they were trying to start a franchise with this character. Correct. Yes. But you're right. It's an afterthought. It's like it's there were a bunch of them. Trick or treat back then. Not the baghead one from the 2000s, but the right. original trick or treat with the rock and roll guy. You know, there was um, Shocker from Wes Craven, obviously. Mm-hmm. Even even Pinhead became that shit. Like even right. Pinhead became like a wisecrack and mofo. You know, that it it was kind of a, a bullshit archetype that everybody was aping after Freddy got big. And if you rewatch the Freddy movies, they're they're fucking terrible. I mean, like aside from aside from I mean, it's interesting how well two holds up now. Like I once love you it. once you I watch it. it again, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. There's a lot here that needs to be unpacked for sure. And one is is a genuinely scary and interesting premise. Three, which I loved when I was the age that you were when you saw Brain Scan, okay? Three, I thought was like the greatest movie that was ever made. But now when I watch it, I can't even, I can't even make it through it. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. god awful, you know? And I think that, that these movies really were made for video, were made for kids that were, or or made for kids that were getting into the movie theaters and just, you know, it was like rated Mm -hmm. R, big deal, let them in, you know? They sort of had taboo moments like the girl taking off her top or the, the foot being severed or whatever. They had a bizarre, likable bad guy character. I mean, they were really, they were movies that were made for teenagers that teenagers weren't supposed to go see, which made them even more for teenagers.
After the endurance test of brain scan, <laughs> I felt like I was in a horrible game. I really did. I felt like I myself had been played as a pawn in some horrific game that you were the mastermind of, that you were the trickster, Mike. And now we have to talk about our bottom five cinematic games themselves. And honestly, I think brain scan could have just been... <laughs> many many respects all every one of my bottom five i don't think anything in my bottom five touches how much i dislike that movie oh good but what i did with this no but what i did with this is i didn't go with my usual tactic and instead went more along the lines of how you usually treat this which is sort of a bizarre alternate reality top five which is games that i just would never ever ever want to play yeah be involved in so with that said, I'm like, that was my approach. What was your approach for this? Same. It was exactly the yeah, same. Good. <laughs> I kept it simple for this one. Yeah. The bottom five games I would want to participate in. So for my number five, I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anybody. I think it's probably the one that jumps out to a lot of people. For me, it's Jumanji, 1995, directed oh, yeah, by Joe sure. Johnson. <laughs> a board game that sucks you into a board game and ruins your life. And then the board game comes out of the board game and fucks up your town. A little bit of a special place here because Jumanji was filmed right here in New Hampshire, Keene, New Hampshire. There were scenes actually not even that far down the road from us, right over the border in uh, North Berwick. You can still visit the mill that played the parish uh, shoe factory. I think that's, I drive by it on the way to my buddy's house on a regular basis. <laughs> I love this movie. I think Robin Williams is it's great in it. I think it's fun. It moves along at a good clip. The child actors are fun in this movie, but man, uh, uh, you know how it ends up on my list. You do know how <laughs> it's uh, the fucking spiders. The spiders. Yeah. It's the spiders, <laughs> right? I will abide a stampede through my little town. I will abide bats and insects, all of that kind of thing giant fucking spiders and then he gets <laughs> stuck in the floor the yeah. floor turns to quicksand but then it solidifies again but the spiders and stuck still... there and the giant spiders are coming at him <laughs> terrifying absolutely terrifying it's the worst thing i, can I think, think that everything about jumanji fits in this list and that's why mm -hmm. of course i didn't go with it but i mean it was the it's one of the first ones you think of what's a game that absolutely no one in their right mind wants to play jumanji yeah, like, yeah. absolutely. You don't want to be killed by that dude with the musket, you know? <laughs> it's the most literal <laughs> yes, I could come it up is. with. And it is. As I formulated my list five to one, I kind of went in order of games I would be willing to play, right? So Jumanji, <laughs> I'd give it a whirl. Hopefully the spiders <laughs> don't show up. I, I don't love the idea of getting whisked off to the jungle and ending up Robin Williams at the end. But I think that... I've played this board game in a weird tempting of fate because you can buy the Jumanji board game. Yeah, I've done it too. Jumanji yeah. Board game. yeah. It's fun. We so have I guess it. in it a is. way I have played the game, but it <laughs> seemed an obvious pick for me for this list. Uh, I'm curious what you have at your number five. Well, one thing that I didn't mention in the setup for this was that I really made a conscious decision not to go with any video games, even though mm -hmm. Brain Scan itself was a video game. I didn't want to go there because I figured sooner or later we were probably going to do a bottom five video game thing. I, I also right. wanted to do movies with games in them, not movies that were based on games. So I don't have Super sure. Mario Brothers. I don't have Battleship. I don't have Clue. 
you know, although yep. I don't think Clue could ever end up on anyone's bottom no. five ever. So not the kind of person I'd want to talk to. Right, exactly. So with all that said in that enormous setup <laughs> out the door now, I'm going to start with my number five, which is a game called Statues. And that is from the 2007 movie, The Orphanage, directed by J.A. Bayona and produced by Guillermo del Toro. The game is a children's game where kids go up. Why are you looking at me like that? You look terrified already. I'm experiencing (laughs) the game right now. I know the scene you're talking about. It's terrifying. I am pre-terrified before you even describe it. (laughs) Your eyes were so like, wide. Ugh. They were like saucers. I yeah, was like, I know. What happened? I, know. I thought I had spiders on my face. Oh. No, just like just talking about it gave me the the, the heebie-jeebies. Un, dos, tres, toca la pared. It's a little bit like red light, green light, but it's a hell of a lot more frightening than even maybe the squid game one where there were all these snipers and everybody yes. like shooting at people, <laughs> which of course also came to mind, but isn't a movie. So I didn't obviously go that route, but statues from the orphanage, a very, very frightening movie, a very moody, atmospheric, gothic film wonderful cinematography a tragedy in the center of the really it's a tragic movie all around just the kind of movie that has a lot of different types of horror in it Um, the horror of loss grief and then also the actual haunting horror you know an atmospheric Mm. horror so something it's a great movie but it's a game i absolutely will never play with any child ever anywhere you just mentioned it and it creeped yeah, me right, right. It's, a, it's a great pick. It's a great pick. I'm going to steer us back in a little bit of a, a fun direction. Okay. As fun as this could be because I am going, and I guess maybe, I don't know what it is with this time frame because my number four is also a film from 1995. Oh, weird. I am going with Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh, John yeah. McTiernan, where John McClane is essentially running around New York City playing this game that Simon has him doing where Simon he's going to run says. around town and he's playing Simon Says. Oh. And if he doesn't complete the task in the time, then Simon's going to blow up something. Oh, man, so good. That is such Jeremy a good Irons. Yeah, Jeremy Irons oh. is the voice. I love, love Die Hard it's with It's so very good. We get Zeus and McLean running around the city, fighting with each other, fighting against the terrorists, trying to figure these games out. The scene where he's got to do the the water in the jugs. Oh, man. And they're trying to figure that out. There's also the riddle, which is a riddle to this day that I could recite for you. You know, as I was going to say knives, I met a man with seven oh, wives. Oh, yeah. That, whole, yeah. that yeah. whole bit. Seven wives and seven sacks, cats and cats, cats and wives. How many were going to say knives? Wow. I love it. I love it. Wow. I think it's fantastic. So, uh, and again, not a game I want to play. I'm not really no. interested in, in being at the whim of a madman and trying to not blow up a school because if you remember oh, that man, was the that state, was so good he was gonna blow the school up yeah all of course 
as a ruse for stealing a shitload of gold on the other side of town. What's incredible about Die Hard 3 is how it changes the formula, but yet retains the formula at the same time. And it was, I think it was written originally as a Lethal Weapon sequel. Did you hear that? I didn't, but they, it makes yeah. a ton of sense. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but the, it's amazing. the Riggs and Murtaugh character, sure. Sure. But it works so well with McLean. It really does. And it was and it was stepping just outside the pool enough that you still felt like you were you were in the, the water, but you were yeah. you were in a deeper well, your deeper end. In the first two, we have a hostage situation. In this one, they're running all over New York. Right. right. So they're not stuck in a building they're or not at stuck, the airport. Right. They're they're running all over town. But there's still a hostage situation in that it's a school that's being held hostage. You just don't know yeah. which one. And, and right. you know the guy's crazy because he's already blew up something. The subway there. But man, that's a that's a hell of a great pick. Simon says, great, great, great idea. I wish I thought of that. Honestly, I wouldn't care if we both had it on our lists. That would have been... <laughs> I really, this list was very hard for me to come up with, so. There's there's one thing here that either we're both going to have it <laughs> or neither one of us are going to have it. There's a movie that I left off of my list oh, anticipating you? you putting it on yours, and I bet that means we're both just going to fail, and so we'll have the bonus pick <laughs> oh, at the end. But okay, good. All I right. would love to hear what your next pick is. My next pick is Poker. And that's from The Quick and the Dead, 1987, Sam Raimi's Western. It's so incredibly underrated with Sharon Stone, Leonardo DiCaprio in a very, very early role. Russell Crowe was even in a really early role there. But then you have people like Lance Henriksen and Gene fucking Hackman as one of the greatest villains of all time. Truly, truly wonderful movie. But of course, the big game in all of this is a high stakes game of poker. And when the when you lose... You go out and you get shot. You go out and you have to have a duel when you lose. The two people that lose in the tournament go out and have a duel. Yeah, fuck that. No, <laughs> I don't think so. I am not playing that game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you had this on your list because I don't have a poker game anywhere on my bottom five. And I mm -hmm. tried to find a spot for it. I went through just about every James Bond poker scenario. There are so many. Oh, fair enough. There are so yeah. many different games of poker. In, in, it could almost be its own list, really. Yeah. I, I couldn't find one for me that was worthy of a bottom five. Yeah. But you're absolutely. That's great. Yeah. I mean, the one where you get shot for losing. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the pretty, one. That's pretty on there. <laughs> the other thing, too, I think uh, we could talk about the real game in that movie is Sam Raimi's game of trying to hide in a Western, the Oldsmobile Delta. Yeah, the 1978 Oldsmobile Delta car. 88. It's in yeah. all of his movies. It's <laughs> in classic. all the movies. I, yeah. I think in The Quick and the Dead, he puts a he puts covered wagon <laughs> over the body of it. So he's even got his car in The Quick and Find the Dead. Find the classics. That's the real yeah. game in yep. every that's, Sam Raimi that's, movie. That's the top five game right there for sure. It's awesome. Well, my next pick, uh, again, is not something I would want to participate in. Also, I'm getting a little bit uh, fast and loose, maybe with the definition of a game uh -oh. here. But, uh, well, it's not a cheat. It's not a cheat. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we talk about playing games. But, of course, when you talk about game, you can also talk about hunting, right? Hunting big game. Uh... This is a little bit of both things because I am going with from 19... 32 mm -hmm. the most dangerous, dangerous game. game the reason why it's on my list is twofold is one of course playing a game where 
a rich, crazy guy mm-hmm. lures you onto his island and hunts you. Yeah. So you are game and yep. you are yep. playing his game. Sure. So that's one reason, because I think that's a pretty solid excuse for putting something on a bottom five <laughs> list. But also it gave us surviving the game. <laughs> Where Ice-T gets hunted <laughs> by Gary Busey in the woods all those many decades later. So I think those two things alone are enough. This is, it's a fun movie. You know, that 1932, it's coming off the heels of silent films. So Faye Ray is in it. And we still get those big animated performances. That classic 30s sure. black and white. I think it's an RKO picture, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it's a fun movie, but... I, I don't want to get I don't I, I don't want to get hunted. It's so odd because I had the idea of using the same one going back to the original mm. and using that one because we don't talk enough about quote unquote classic cinema. Yeah. So I was I really I felt compelled at one point to do that and then I was like I don't know enough about it. I I can't remember the last time I watched it. It probably was 30 years ago. I had a I had a little streak back during the pandemic where I went through some of these older films. Yeah. I think I watched this in House and Haunted Hill back to back and nice. really enjoyed some of those older films, yeah. definitely the black and whites. And so uh yeah, that that's it for me is the most dangerous game. Great. You know, we're both going to classics in our third spots, so that's pretty neat. I went with the game of chess. And obviously that would be from the seventh seal. I would never play this. I would never play chess against death. And the whole idea, of course, is that the knight is taking it very slowly so that he can prolong his life. But at the end of it, of course, he's always going to lose. Even if you were to win the game of chess, you will still lose to death. And so (laughs) any game with death, it's funny. I I guess we sort of took, in some ways, we took a similar route in, in, in that you know, but we might have taken such a similar route Uh-oh. that I might be talking about the seventh oh, no. seal in just a minute. <laughs> well, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, it's not. I... You're not at that spot yet. Got well, it. here we are. Spoiler alert. We'll do some swapping around. The seventh seal was my number one pick as well. Oh, yeah. shit. It was your number one Absolutely. pick. Absolutely. Oh, it's my God. number one. It's a game of chess with, with death. death. <laughs> this is such an amazing movie. It. It's a movie that I really hope, I, I will beg our listeners, if you haven't watched Igmar Bergman's the seventh seal, please spend time with it. It's not, it's not an easy watch, but it's Mm -mm. not a difficult watch either. The plague is sweeping across the countryside and the entire movie really is about this night returning from a holy war with a head full of doubts about whether or not God even exists. Mm -hmm. And now he has to sit down at this game of chess with (laughs) death himself. I think the movie is about the, the silence of, God. Mm. That's what this whole thing is about. He comes back full of these doubts and it's a complicated film. It questions humanity's place in the universe. But what's so great about it is that it never takes a position on it as a film. It doesn't give you the answer to whether there is a God or there isn't a God. If everything in the universe has meaning or if everything is meaningless, Mm -hmm. it just concocts this stark, really gorgeous black and white portrait of existence yes. and then lets us as the audience watch this night sit down and play a game of death yeah and it is remarkable the only people that survive in the end are a handful of actors <laughs> yeah. which i have to think bergman did on purpose as like you know actors being sort of the only ones 
that can live on, of, right? Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, something about something about you know the the purity of art or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Bergman's a complicated guy. I'm, I think I'm in the weeds here on that one, but, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a heavy movie, but it's important. And I think well, maybe it, the most high stakes game a person could play <laughs> is I like the part where the, the knight tries to cheat. There's the part in the film where he just smashes the board and it's kind right. of like, it's like, oh, like yeah. I do like that's five work. minutes into every game of Monopoly, <laughs> by the way. If you want to know what it's like to sit down across from death and play a game. Play me in Monopoly sometime. I am fucking miserable. I hate the idea of it. I don't want to be there. I'm an asshole the whole time. I can't wait for it to be over. That's me playing Monopoly. So Capitalist and consumerism on yep. a board game. It's just uh-huh. nothing screams Mike Merrigan more than yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Can we sit down and do a lot of complicated addition and subtraction? That sounds fucking great on a Friday night. So... So, yeah, we're jumping ahead here. The Seventh Seal yeah. was my number one. That was one. your number one. It was my That's number one. That's fascinating. It's such a great a, pick. It's a really interesting pick. It, I think, the, the again, you could say the real game of it is is trying to figure out what it all meant mm. and what it all means. And I think that that's – I think that really is what the game of chess was all about there. It's, it's the brilliance of the movie. It doesn't yeah. give you that answer. It doesn't no. tell you. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. The, you're presented with this – really complex movie about really complex ideas and it and it's not giving the anything. audience yeah. enough yes. to let you make your own decisions yeah. about it well i'm glad that we i'm both happy and sad that we did that <laughs> that's very yeah. cool my next one is the game of hide and go seek in the movie ready or not which mm. is an uproariously funny crazy violent exciting so fun. Yeah, really just a wonderful wonderful cast in it and everything. I don't know what what really there is to say about it if you can just imagine a game of hide and go seek in a really gorgeous affluent mansion with lots of hidey holes and weird uh, dumbwaiter elevators and stuff like that. The lead character is going to marry into this rich family that owns this home. And she has to go through this, uh, what is essentially this insane hazing. So at midnight, you have to play a game. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family. A game. What game? Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? Well, the rules are simple. You can hide anywhere. We then try to find you. So there's no way for me to win, right? I mean, stay hidden till dawn. <laughs> no, thank you. Good luck. What the hell is this? How old is this thing? I know you're in here. Hide and seek is scary anyway. My yeah. kids yeah. call it uh, scare game. Because okay. their their nanny hides usually How wearing. How do you play it? <laughs> yeah, because all right, so you hide right, and then somebody's uh-huh. trying to find you, and as they get close, you jump out and scare the shit out of them. Ah, so, okay. Yeah. I like so how you do business. And, <laughs> right. So hide and seek is actually very scary in its nature. You know, uh-huh. number one for the person that's hiding and doesn't want to be found, but also for the person seeking if the person you're looking for is dangerous. Yeah. So hide yeah. and seek in Ready or Not, the movie Ready or Not, really is interesting because it plays both sides of that. And certain times, yes, absolutely, it's the family that you're fearing. But at, at a certain point, it changes, it switches, and you become sort of 
whoa, this lady's fierce now, and the 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 hunters become the hunted, and it sort of turns around, and then it just goes completely batshit crazy in its third act. So the most terrifying part of hide and seek is how badly I have to take a leak the moment I find a hiding spot. That's the, that's the real fear for me. I just I would usually find a place to hide that I could also pee. Yes. That was the trick. Like, where's Mike? He's behind a tree. He's always behind a tree. <laughs> yeah. My number two, now my number one, is from the year 2007, a year I consider one of the greatest years in cinema. I am going with Anton Chigurh's What's the Most You Ever Lost on a Coin Toss Game from No Country for Old Men. Oh, wow. That amazing scene where Javier Bardem walks into the gas station and just asks this man, what's the most you've ever lost on a coin toss? And has this chilling scene yeah where this guy terrifying. is it, the guy is playing a game for his life and he doesn't even know it and the whole thing hinges on a coin flip yeah call it call it yes for what just call it well we need to know what we're calling it for here you need to call it i can't call it for you well, it wouldn't be fair I didn't put nothing up. Yes, you did. You've been putting it up your whole life. You just didn't know it. You know what date is on this coin? No. 1958. It's been traveling 22 years to get here. And now it's here. And it's either heads or tails. And you have to say, call it. Well, look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. How's that? You stand to win everything, call it. All right. Heads in. It's a great scene. It made it this far down on my list because short of playing chess with death, (laughs) playing for my life on a 50-50 shot, no thank you. No way. Yeah. I'm good. That's a fantastic one. Well, I ended mine with probably what you thought I was going to end it with. Come on, man. Bring it home. Russian roulette. The deer hunter. 1979. No. No, no, ah, no, it isn't. I cannot believe that neither one of us have talked about Michael Douglas in the, the game. No, oh, <laughs> fuck that. I thought for yeah. sure that was going to be, I, I, I left I it just, off my list because I thought we're playing a game of chicken here ourselves here. That's what's going on is that <laughs> you didn't want to put it on your list. I didn't, I didn't want to put it on my list. Well, I, I thought think, it would be on yours. I didn't think much of the movie, you know, Fincher in his early career just didn't, didn't do much for for me, you know, and, and, and the game, what was that? His second movie? I think it was after alien three. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I obviously well, I thought about it, but it was so damn obvious. Like <laughs> exactly. And that's why I didn't do it, which is why this is a much better opportunity to talk about the deer hunter, a movie that I thought about. Actually, it didn't quite make it on my list because I wanted to find the most dangerous game, <sighs> but good Lord. I, I mean, it's Russian roulette. I, yeah, it's the most terrifying um, game that you can play, I think. I can't think of anything with more suspense. I can't think of anything more harrowing. Mm-hmm. And I think in this particular scene of this particular movie, um, you have performance matched with the tension, matched with the the lack of... the, the Both you have extreme humanity on one side that you can relate to, and on the other side you just have insanity and... and mm-hmm 
the lights gone out and and that's the most that's probably the most terrifying part of it is the the people that aren't as afraid in that moment What you want? Is this what you want? I love you. So it's a it's a positively outstanding picture all the way across from beginning to end but this will forever be what it's known for what it's most remembered for it's a movie that spends so much time <laughs> getting yeah. to this scene yeah so that when you get there it is devastating yeah yep everything about this it's a long movie uh, you it go is. into a movie called the deer hunter and you know all the vietnam connection and then you spend what seems like a month of your life yeah. at a wedding back in the states <laughs> yes, and you're like so what is true. what am, am i watching the right but it is so i mean you hit on it exactly is mm -hmm. that it's this really lush detailed portrayal of humanity right and human connection so that when you get to this russian roulette scene you're it just guts you. yeah exactly Exactly. So, you know, that's why I made number one of mine. That is number one game that I would never even consider in a million years playing. <laughs> I'm glad that you got to it because I feel like having it not been on the list somewhere would have invalidated this entire episode. I so, think so. You really, you <laughs> saved us in the end. Good work. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got to talk about Jumanji for a sec, but. I think you're yeah, glad you, you got to talk about the game still. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. I snuck it in there. <laughs> After such an engaging talk about our bottom five games, I I, I feel like we've recommended ten movies. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But here we I are. Know. We're going to go ahead with our staff picks, anyways, and recommend another movie for folks to watch. And this week, I'm recommending Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This movie is an absolute joy to watch. I can't think of another movie that I've seen in roughly a decade or so, maybe longer where I was so happy that I saw the movie, that I was so thrilled by the originality, the creativity, the sense of fun and adventure, the spirited acting, the wonderful direction, the incredible visuals that just pop, pop at you the whole time. This movie is a absolute fever dream that is anchored by a first-class performance by Michelle Yeoh, who I have been waiting my whole life to watch in a movie like this. So yeah. I am a huge fan of Michelle Yeoh back to her Hong Kong days, back with the heroic trio. You know, I think she's an absolutely fantastic actress. 
seeing Kehu Kwan again uh, back in movies, coming back to films. You know, we're talking about short round. We're talking about data. You know, yeah. he's come back to acting again after seeing Crazy Rich Asians. He decided to, you know, try again with acting. He's wonderful in it. As always, seeing James Hong on screen is a joy. He must be over 400 movies by now, right? Oh, my God. He's, he, it feels like he's in absolutely everything. I, I just, I'm amazed by his ability to just keep showing up for work. <laughs> like, I feel like he's got to be about 800 years old, you know? Yeah. And, and he's almost always the best part of every scene he's in. He really, yeah, he frequently is. What's amazing is he's, in this movie, he's... He's on par with everyone else. And finally, I mean, you have to you have to make mention of the person occupying the and role in this movie. And that's one Jamie Lee Curtis, almost unrecognizable in this flick. She's she's really vulnerable and tender, but also so weird. So and that's (laughs) the way this whole movie is. It's weird and hilarious and exciting. I haven't felt this way about a movie since probably Children of Men or maybe District 9. So, you know, it really sits high, high up there for me. Just an absolute exciting movie directed by the Daniels, uh, who are Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. So please, if you haven't seen it, go see it immediately. Your obvious effusive joy about this movie is first off so refreshing (laughs) (laughs) to hear you talk about a love of of, of, a love of a movie (laughs) also hearing you talk about the movie in those terms is the same way i have heard all of the people whose opinions i really value talk about this movie Mm -hmm. my little my little cluster of of cinephiles everybody who's seen it just it raves about this movie yeah. i haven't had the chance to catch up with it yet i cannot wait i don't know what's <laughs> taken me so long but it's a movie i have just heard everybody overflowing with enthusiasm about yeah. and that so rarely happens especially among people who really take their movies seriously there's always kind of that one asshole who wants to turn their nose up at it and i have not found that person yet so maybe you're that asshole (laughs) oh there's no way there's no way Uh uh-uh can't happen it can't oh yeah look to your left look to your right no oh no Uh, it's not gonna happen but uh no that's fantastic what a great pick this is wang this is wang mrs wang are you with us i am paying attention Now, you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you. Be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. 
My staff pick this week, Jason, is a sci-fi film. It doesn't have much to do with the game, but it does certainly have to do with some mind games, I suppose. (laughs) I am going to offer up for our listeners this week from 2014 an absolutely stellar film by Alex Garland. Of course, I'm talking about Ex Machina. Ooh, it's great for like, yeah. It's so good. It's kind of cheating to suggest anything with Oscar Isaac because that guy's just kind of great (laughs) in everything he does. But this is a movie where uh, a programmer who works for a very wealthy Jeff Bezos type multi-billionaire guy uh, is called to the estate of said tech billionaire, more like an Elon Musk, I think, kind of guy. And he brings him on to his uh, sprawling mansion and introduces him to Ava, who is an AI robot. And the whole idea here is that this guy is supposed to spend time with Ava and see if she can pass the Turing test. And we get an excellent performance here by Alicia Vikander as Ava, Mm -hmm. this robot with some really great special effects to give her that robotic body. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oscar Isaac as Nathan is great. And then Domhnall Gleeson as Caleb, this programmer caught in the middle of this insanity and I think his performance is really strong. I think it's really powerful because he's skeptical. He's afraid. He feels like he's in over his head, but he's also falling for this AI. Yeah. And he starts to form real emotional connections to it while also being skeptical of the AI's intentions. And so we, as the audience are spending the whole time kind of feeling like we're taking crazy pills because on the one hand, it's a robot. We know it's a robot, but then we're also seeing the humanity in this. And it's really this push and pull between what is humanity is Ava alive Mm -hmm. and it's tense. It's funny. It's weird for me. An Alex Garland movie is a bit of an event, kind of the way a Jordan Peele movie is. It's just, the guy who created the movie is interesting enough to me that I want to see everything he does. And so I think there's no better place to start for our listeners than Ex Machina, a film that for me, the the disco dance sequence is worth the price of admission alone. I, I don't want to say any more than that, but I hope that everybody will check it out. If you haven't seen this film, it's for my money, one of the best sci-fi films in the last 10, 15 years. So Ex Machina by Alex Garland is my pick this week. Over the next few days, you're going to be the human component in the Turing test. One day the AIs are going to look back on us the same way we look at fossils. Hello. How do you feel about her? Oh man, she's amazing. You're impressed? (laughs) Yes. Do you want to be my friend? Of course. Now the question is, how does she feel about you? Do you think about me when we are together? Did you give her sexuality as a diversion tactic? This is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. Did you know that I was brought here to test you? Does Ava actually like you? Or is she pretending to like you? Mike, I'm not going to really beat around the bush with my pick for you next week. Look, you, you basically took a baseball bat to my head with that last one brain scan. That was a, that was a rough one. And it, the only thing that I can do is come right back at you and come back at you hard with something that I know you're going to loathe because it's something that I love that I loathe. 
And that is, oh, I am an enormous fan of Star Trek, an absolutely huge fan of Star Trek. I adore yep. Star Trek. Uh-huh. But in 1989, after two successful outings directed by Leonard Nimoy, Star Trek Three and Star Trek Four, we were given Star Trek Five, directed by William Shatner. Mm. It is an absolute mess in tone, in story, in acting. These are lived-in characters. These are people that matter to me. And I'm telling you, this thing is an absolute endurance test, even for me. Now, you, you come from a background of thorough and complete ignorance when it comes to Star Trek. So Star Trek, this is the one that's on just before Knight Rider, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Because like, I saw the last three minutes of every Next Generation episode before Knight Rider came on. That's 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 this okay, show. So that's right? that's Next Gen. The singlets, don't they have the singlets? They do. In the uh-huh. movies in the eighties, they didn't really have the singlets as much. So they returned okay. to the singlets in the nineties. So you're gonna hate this, and I'm gonna love every minute of you hating it. Here's the problem. This is the problem. <laughs> It's not that I'm going to hate it, is that what you have done is you have fed me into the Star (laughs) Trek fan wood chipper because this is a fan base that does not fuck around. (laughs) There is zero chill in this fan base. And I, you are, you are feeding me to the Star Trek wolves. Not really. Not really. Because, because I think that what's going to happen here is that you're going to see Star Trek at its absolute worst. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't think that there's I'm going to any... try so hard to love this movie. There is not. I'm going to try. Oh, I'm going to love this movie. There is no that's, way. That's, oh, I'm going in so hard the, trying to love this movie. Even the even Star Trek fans who name their children after characters in the movie hate this movie. And I don't know that because my son's middle name is Tiberius and my other son's this middle is, name uh... is James. So... This is my new favorite movie. I can't wait. I can't. I, you know what? I'm going to try so hard to make this a new favorite movie of mine. Oh, boy. I can't wait. Um, yep. Well, this sucks. Uh, <laughs> you you have given me a, a franchise I know nothing about. Yes. Uh, with a fan base that I am intimidated by. Sure. Uh, th- you've given me what I expect is the worst one in the bunch. And you're telling me there's not Knight Rider unless I provide my own. So... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> with that said okay what is our bottom five then our bottom five for star trek five and you'll understand once you watch it are bottom five gods okay all right <laughs> i guess i didn't see that coming so so gods in this one like the god possibly oh okay i have no idea what the fuck i'm about to get into i'm embarrassed to have to say this but um what I, what is what is the title of this movie? Is it just Star Trek Five? <laughs> no, it's called Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier. Oh, okay, all right, The Final Frontier. Yeah. All right, well, we're gonna give it a go. I'm gonna try it. Uh, if you love Star Trek, come on back next week where I will definitely offend you, uh, or I'm gonna find out that this is my new favorite movie. This might maybe I'm gonna be like that Halloween Part Three, part guy, three guy who insisted yep. Halloween Three is his favorite movie. Yep. That's going to be me. I'm going to try so hard. I'm going to do everything I can to love this movie, sing its praises, and tell all of you Star Trek fans why you're dead wrong about the best movie in the franchise, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. I can't wait for it. As always, we have been your hosts. I am Mike. And I am Jay. We will see you next time. 
mislim na te Hoću znat sve kate, vježbat ću sate i sate Karate, karate, nešto ću dok zadnji mi kjaj Zastane i zađe And my never-ending quest to pronounce his name differently in every episode That of course Joaquin. is uh, Weak in Phoenix Weak in... I'm gonna try I am intentionally pronouncing his name wrong in every episode that we do But in a different way I hope our listeners have caught on to that uh, So, 